This is episode number 185. What does it mean to be an influential leader? With Brian Rollo. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming call called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community even closer, as well as creating a space for each and every single one of us to be able to not only better understand ourselves, but also those that are walking next to us. If you would like to know more details about any of these upcoming calls, please leave us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today. The second announcement that I'd like to make is in regard to our upcoming event called Survive to Thrive, A Parent's Journey. This is an experience that we've been wanting to put together for a few months by now with the intention of creating a space for other parents to be able to come together and relate as well as understand each and every single one of the journeys that they've been on as well as the lessons and the takeaways that they've learned through the hardship including COVID-19, as well as some of the other circumstances. If you'd like to know more details about this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today forward slash events. The last thing that I would like to mention is if you have liked any of the previous episodes and continue to enjoy the content that we put out there, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Oleg. I am super excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it, and thank you for giving me a chance to be on your platform as well on your show. I remember that conversation we had, and I, I'm Words are not going to do it justice here in trying to summarize <laughs> everything that we spoke about because I think there were at least five to 10, maybe even 20 different topics when it came to leadership and personal journey and understanding our inner narrative that really um, stood out to me. And so I really wanted to bring you onto this particular platform for a couple of reasons. First, I believe when it comes to your experience, at least what I've been able to see is that you bring a very interesting perspective when it comes to leadership. And I know that the topic that you and I wanted to explore revolves around this concept of what does it mean to be an influential leader, especially in today's day and age? I mean, there's so much social media, I think plays a big component in it as well in understanding influence and how far it can reach and the type of impact it can have compared to maybe 20 or 30 years ago where we didn't have the same capabilities. So to start it off, maybe the best way to even tackle this topic is to start off with a personal story or something that comes to your mind. Is there, is there a memory 
from your childhood years or maybe later stages in life where someone had done something that has helped you understand that, wow, this is what a true leader looks like. Is there anything like that that stands out from your experience? Well, there's one story that comes to mind, and it's really, uh, I think, in many ways, the genesis of why I do what I do now. It's not a childhood story. Um, it was a little bit later. Uh, it comes from my work life, and a lot of what I do is primarily geared towards work situations, but I find uh, people tell me all the time they apply them in other situations too, so if that works, that's great. In this particular case, I... Um, I was like a lot of people in corporate America, Oleg, who was a good individual performer. Yeah, at least I'd like to think I was good. And I think my, <laughs> my boss thought I was good. So, you know, one day somebody tapped me on the shoulder basically and said, congratulations, you've been promoted. Now you're leading a team of people. And they sort of throw you the keys to the office and walk away and assume you'll figure out how to lead people. And, uh, for a lot of managers, they need a little bit more than that because the qualities that make somebody a great individual performer don't necessarily lend themselves to leading other people. Mm. And a lot of times people just assume that because you're great at doing you know, task X, whatever it is that's your job, that you're going to be great at teaching and motivating and leading other people to do the same thing. And it's totally different. So I was one of those people and you know, I tried to lead my team. I wasn't that great at it. I had one person who worked for me um, and she was like my rock, you know, my right hand person. She did, she was an amazing person to work with. She was like the type of person that you just, if you're not feeling like going in, you're, you're going to say, okay, at least uh, this person is going to be here right? <laughs> At least I'll be able to lean on them and they will make me smile and it's going to be a good day. And she was amazing at her job too, just energetic and a great collaborator for me to help lead the rest of the team. And we worked hand by hand, created projects together. Uh, it, it went really well. One day she did something apparently that was, uh, the company did not like. It was a probably something she wished she hadn't have done, but she had done it. And my boss called me in and said, you have to deal with the situation and you've got to talk to her and make her understand she can't do this again. You have to have a tough conversation. So on one hand, here's this person I really like, right? And I, I definitely value, but on the other hand, I've got my boss telling me you have to take care of the situation. So this is a situation a lot of people find themselves in in the corporate world, sort of stuck between two worlds mm -hmm. and figuring out how to do handle a situation like this in a way that's a win-win. So I remember calling um, this person into the office. I was so scared when I knew I had to have this meeting because I knew the stakes. Uh, and I called her in and I sat her down. And I said, listen, I heard you did ABC, whatever it is. And... Um, I did what my boss told me to. I, I tried to be tough. You know, I tried to be, I'm going to put the hammer down. I'm going to tell you this is the way it has to be or else. And so that's what I did. She tried to tell me the other circumstances or why she did what she did. And I just basically ignored it and just kept saying what I thought I had to say. And I'll never remember, I'll never forget Oleg, the look she had as she got up to leave that meeting. She looked at me with, I think, um, somewhat mix of hurt, anger, 
and betrayal. Mm. And that's the betrayal part is the part that really got to my core because I could tell that she had trusted me and all of a sudden she didn't anymore. And she walked out and I went my way for the next few days. We hardly said anything to each other. And uh, at the end of the week, she handed me her two week notice. She was going to leave. She left our team to go work for our biggest competitor. Mm. And so it crushed me. And at that point in time, I realized I have to do things differently, right? I, I just have to do things differently. A, if I want to keep good people working here, but B, you know, my inability to handle that correctly at that point in time, not only affected me poorly, not only affected my company poorly, it affected this, this woman's life. You know, she had to go home and tell her family she wasn't going to work here anymore because of something I had done, right? She had to change her whole career. And like the weight of that hit me really hard. And I realized that I had to, uh, I had to change the way I was going to do things. I had to learn how to motivate people and beyond motivating, I had to learn how to keep them engaged because motivation is short term. <laughs> I had to learn how to keep them engaged, make work fulfilling for them and, and make work a real collaboration, not somebody shouting out orders to people. So that was the start of the journey. I went and learned everything I could. And uh, my career ended up taking off from there. Thankfully, this person who I'm telling you about, she went on to have a fantastic career with another organization. Um, for years, we didn't talk. We do now. <laughs> and we've talked about this situation. She thanks me for it in a way because she's gone on to do amazing things. But uh, yeah, I, I still feel guilty about it to this day. And that, that's what drives me, honestly, is the fact to be better. And the fact that I know there's as we speak, oh, like on a Monday morning, there are people, there are bosses coming in facing this exact situation around this country. Mm -hmm. so somebody's doing something they shouldn't be doing. They have to have a tough conversation with them, and they don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I do what I do. How do you do that? So it's a really interesting topic and area to explore because I think many people can relate, even outside of business, just in life in general, having tough conversations. I. I can't tell you the exact number of tough conversations I've had to date, but it, I don't even know where to guess. It's, it's probably in thousands, right? <laughs> Especially when it comes from early childhood years and my parents and I, the different dialogues that we had. But I'm curious from your perspective, not maybe necessarily the tips and tricks, but more so your own personal journey. What's the biggest challenge of having a tough conversation to begin with? That's a great question. So... The first battle you have to fight is with yourself. The first battle you have to fight is with yourself and to make sure that you are going into this with the right mindset, a tough conversation. Uh, we have to remove blame from the conversation, which is where we get hung up a lot. Mm -hmm. So for instance, in this situation that I'm telling you about, I basically, through my wording, it was a big, situation of myself pointing my finger at somebody else and saying, you should not have done this. You failed. You were wrong. You must fix it. Way to have tough conversations is totally shift the focus away from the person and towards the problem. Right. A really simple way to address and this. I'm over really oversimplifying, but there's ways to move the focus from you did this wrong and I'm blaming you to this happened. How can we collaborate to make sure it doesn't happen again? Right. 
So when you're really careful with your wording, you're careful about setting the emotional tone of the meeting. And there's certainly ways you can do that early on. And you, you want to shift the person from an opponent, if at all possible, to a collaborator towards a solution. That's really interesting because it kind of just makes me think of my early childhood days when I would have different conversations with my parents where, you know, I wanted to do X, Y, and Z longer. And they said that no, or even like in regard to curfew, having that as um, a possible problem or area to tackle where I did not want to go to bed at nine or 10, but yet they had the reasonings behind why they wanted me to go to bed. And so it's really interesting when it comes to that. And the other thing that you mentioned, which I think is an important aspect to explore, and that's choosing to lead from within and, and really becoming the leader of yourself before maybe becoming the leader of others. In your case, how did that evolve? Like, when did it make sense for you that, hey, I need to focus more on transforming myself rather than transforming other people? Well, yeah, I love the way you put that, by the way, because that's 100%. Um, and I agree 100%. Shameless plug, I have a book coming out called 10 Habits of Influential Leaders, <laughs> but I only bring that out because chapter one is lead yourself first. Mm-hmm. Chapter two is become a great follower. So once a leader gets those two things down, then we can start talking about the tactics. And the ability to lead yourself is where it all starts. Whether that's mindset, certainly is going to be part of it. Acquiring the discipline to learn the things you need to learn, that's all part of it. For me, really, I think the genesis towards this particular conversation really was at that moment, right? If we're going to to talk about leadership and how to influence other people, for that particular channel, that was the inspiration. I just dug myself, threw myself into learning everything I could about leadership, you know, and how to influence people greater in a better way. And like you said, it's realizing that I can't change anybody until I change myself. And when you're in that sort of leadership position, even like the smallest incremental changes you make towards yourself for the positive have great ripple effects towards other people. You know, it's multiplied throughout your whole team and vice versa. You know, when you start to slip, when you're not your best self, that has negative ripple effects. So just realizing that it's a constant process and the more I got better at leading people and influencing people, the easier my job became too. <laughs> because mm-hmm. when, you're not fighting, when you're fighting with people all day, every day, that's a tough life. Hmm. That is a tough life. Nobody likes coming to work if we're going to focus on work, but it could be home too. Nobody likes being in a situation where there's conflict, negative conflict all the time. Mm-hmm. And when that's your reality, that is not fun for anyone. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not worth the money you're getting paid <laughs> to, for people to live their lives that way. So just the ability to positively influence other people and get them on the same page. Not that it's going to be utopia where everybody always agrees on everything, but when conceptually everyone's on the same page and wants the same things and it buys in, it's much easier to iron out the details along the way. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find yourself falling short of being a good leader? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a process, you know, I'm pretty good at it these days but certainly not perfect. And 
sometimes I will find myself slipping, certainly, and saying the wrong thing or wishing I hadn't said something. As a leader, when you have that leadership responsibility, Oleg, and this is a lesson I continually learn, your latitude for mistakes and even sometimes humor is much narrower than it is normally. So, for instance, if you and I were co-workers, right, and we work together every day, every single day, we might get comfortable enough with each other where we could joke with each other, maybe, you know, tease each other a little bit about who knows our sports teams or uh, did you really want to wear that color shirt today? You know, we get, we could have some fun and joke around with things. A lot of times leaders carry that same mindset with them to his leadership. But if you're my boss and say those same things to me or vice versa, they become much more damaging. Mm. Because you have the ability all of a sudden, really, with your words, to cut right to people's hearts. And so as a leader, it's something I'm pretty good at is being really careful with my words. Not that you can't joke and not that you can't have fun, but you have to be really cautious all the time about the effect that your words have on other people. So sometimes I still fall short a little with that. Why do you think that role carries the different persona when it comes to that? It, it almost seems like, and it is in a way, its own entity when it comes to the level of responsibility one takes when it comes to a leadership role. But why does it, why is it perceived that way? That once a person is in a leadership role, all of a sudden dynamic changes, authority shifts, quote unquote power also shifts and all these other elements. Well, because simply put in most organizations, to be really blunt about it, your paycheck depends on the boss liking you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you want to be able to put food on the table for your family, you better maintain a good relationship with that boss. And so that understandably makes people really nervous. And unless you have a leader who has done a good job, again, in setting expectations, setting boundaries, where we know what the kinds of things it's okay to joke about, but also the leader. And the leader's boundaries, by the way, are always narrower than the team's boundaries, mm. right? Mm-hmm. The team has much more, should have much more leeway to be critical of the boss and to joke around with the boss or to give them their feedback without expecting emotional impact than the other way around. Right. The boss has to, the leader, I, I tend to, I hate when I mix those words up, but because they're really two different things, but the leader always has to be really cautious and knowing again that just this dynamic financially that we have and even just the cultural dynamic that we've all been raised with as when we go to work, the, the leader is the person, you know, and, and, and we have to do what they say. Mm-hmm. I want to take a step back from kind of the work and everything in regard to the leadership aspects of that and, and go a little bit into kind of your, your own life beyond that when it comes to your parents. So when I look at my parents and the different things that they've instilled in me when it comes to forms of leadership, I'm really grateful for those things, but I'm, I'm curious to hear through your lens. How do you view your parents? What kind of impact did they have? Did they have on you? and maybe continue to have on you as well? No one has ever asked me this question before. (laughs) So this is the first time I've ever been asked this, which is great. So I'm going to have to think of it. You know, I I was very, very fortunate. Very, very fortunate. Um, I had good fortune that a lot of other people don't have. And that, you know, I had parents who set really, a really great role model 
for me as far as I don't know they ever set I think leadership might be overstating it mm-hmm. you know um, my parents are you know my parents are salt of the earth people <laughs> none of them was anybody's boss at, at their jobs uh, but they're certainly bosses of the family so maybe in that way but they taught me a lesson very early on as to how people should be treated uh, they're they're very kind people uh, they really instilled that with me really instilled a sense of for lack of a better word ethics mm-hmm. you know how to, how, how to treat people right not because you want anything out of it but just because that's the way we're supposed to live and you know I, I had that instilled with me from a very very young age and when people credit me sometimes for those types of things you know I, I can give that credit back to them mm. It's really interesting that you point that out because the more that I look kind of at my own parents and the impact that they've had, the different uh, discipline in particular comes to mind that they've taught me. And I think a lot of it started just through the chores, doing the daily chores, emptying the dishwasher and doing your homework and all these other things that after a while became habitual and really start to form a lot of my life and the different things I was exposed to. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't. No, mean no. To, go ahead. But you're just getting me to think. And so my mom, for a long time, I mean, almost from the time I was old enough to go to school until I think well after, probably I left home, um, cleaned houses and cleaned offices as a side job. So she had her own job, and but she would also clean houses and clean offices just to make a, a few more dollars, and. You guessed it. Guess who helped whenever he could? Brian was being dragged along to mow the person's lawn, or she cleaned a local dentist's office. So I know a few times a week I was going to the dentist's office at night, <laughs> and uh, I was vacuuming and uh, whatever it was. I came to find out years later, and by the way, she, I never got paid for this. It was just what I would do. I came to find out years later that my mom had made a deal with the dentist that, to clean the offices in exchange for free dental care for the kids. Wow. Right. So that's huge. It is huge. So I had never, I never knew that. I just knew I had to go clean the dentist's office. And did I grumble? I'm sure I probably did sometimes, but, but I went and did it. And like you said, I found a little bit, um, I found it rewarding in a way, you know, to get to learn what work is. And that also, I like to think that it helped me with empathy later on. You know, I came to be in a position where I was working in a company that had treating, had cleaning people. And I saw some people just treat them poorly. And it would always bother me because I saw myself in them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's me. You know, I might have a suit on now and a tie, but I know what it's like to come in and empty the garbage. And so, yeah, now that you bring it out that way, that was a great lesson. What about your dad? So my dad is an amazing person. He wore, he wore his profession when he was a, he is that he was a biomedical technician, what they call a biomedical technician at a hospital. So he was an electrician by trade and eventually worked at a, at our local hospital and he would fix the machines. So all those things they plug into you when you're sick, mm-hmm. he would work on those. That's the, about the best I can explain it in a technical way as <laughs> he fixed those machines. I don't know much more about it than that. Uh, but again, just a salt of the earth person, huge on treating people the right way, um, huge on just being contributors to the earth 
in your local community in a positive way. And again, um, just a, a really great work ethic. That's I remember amazing. that he, uh, for a while, for the whole time we grew up, we only had one car and my mom would need the car to work. So he would get it. He would ride his bike to work and it was like 10 miles each way. So if the weather was at all possible, he never used the car. He just got on his bike, rode his bike to work and rode his bike back. And uh, it was those kind of little things that you take with you, I think, and try to, they help you help instill a work ethic in you. Mm-hmm. Final thought for today's episode and conversation. And that is if you were given one word to describe your parents, what would that word be and why? Hmm. Are you my therapist or like? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> full, full disclaimer. <laughs> uh, you know, I would just have to say loving. You know, I was fortunate to be raised in a loving household. Um, and yeah, they, they disciplined me when I needed to be disciplined, but they also showed a lot of love. And uh, so I'd have to go with loving. Mm-hmm. Brian, what's the best way that people can connect with you? and learn more about your work and anything that you have coming up, including the books that you will have coming up. Yeah, they could shoot right over to brianrollo.com, B-R-I-A-N-R-O-L-L-O.com, and uh, they can connect with me there. There's a free ebook you can get right on the front page if you want. You can sign up for one of my training classes where we talk about leadership, Um, and I certainly will be announcing the book there when it comes out in the near future. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our podcast so you can receive all of the latest content as well as all of the upcoming episodes. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring conversations. Once again... We thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next week.